Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I am your host, Meredith Loftus, aka your friendly neighborhood fangirl. What's going on, guys? So for today's episode, I am by myself, but that is a-okay. I was going to take a break off, but so much happened this past week that I have to talk about it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run down some new stuff. I'm going to ramble on about some fangirl stuff, and it's just going to be a good old time. Cool? Cool. So, first things first, a huge, gigantic news. Lando Calrissian is coming back. That means Billy Dee Williams is going to be reprising his role as Lando in Episode 9. This is amazing. I think we can all agree that one of the best parts about Solo was Donald Glover's portrayal as Lando. And so to see that fan love and reaction towards Lando, it makes sense to bring back Billy Dee Williams for episode nine. I'm so excited. However, I don't want too much from Lando. Lando is an awesome character, but I don't I don't want a cameo. I, I don't need him to have too big of a role. I want some pleasure beat moments of like he's part of the new rebellion. He's been like financing for the new rebellion. Leia's been in contact with him. Stuff like that. And then of course a reunion between him and Chewie and Ninumb and being on the Falcon and maybe saying like, hey L3 and we would all lose our collective minds. I think that would be the perfect amount of Lando in this movie. Yeah, I'm totally on board with Lando returning to a galaxy far, far away. Uh, next on the list, ScarJo making two big uh, sets of news this past week. So in the previous episode, I talked with Laura Siricool about uh, the controversial casting of ScarJo um, in the Rub and Tug movie. Well, this pa- a couple days ago, she released a statement that she would be backing out of the project, which is a great PR move for her because... Black Widow, the solo movie, has found its director in Kate Shortland. Um, I think this is a very smart, strategic move and a sensitive move towards uh, that Scarlet is doing. Uh, one, build back those bridges between um, her and the LGBTQ community um, and showing awareness and using her power for good. And two, this is making the idea of a Black Widow movie receivable, as opposed to a bit more controversial when the news first dropped. It was like, are we we excited about this? Should we be excited about this? Me personally, I think the Black Widow movie itself is too little too late. Uh, It would have benefited if it were three or four years ago, especially being like the first one she's been uh, one of the big Marvel superhero characters that has, she's paid her dues, and, like, it's fine, but I just don't know how it's fitting into the larger MCU scope. And also, full disclosure, I think she's gonna die in uh, Avengers 4. I think they're deliberately setting up Uh, all the original Avengers to actually avenge something in this movie, and it's going to take great sacrifice for the new Avengers to come back. 
and I think she may be one of those. So if they made a Black Widow movie prequel style before she started working for S.H.I.E.L.D., I'd be really interested in that. But if it's like post-Avengers 4, I'm not sure if we need it, but at the same time, I trust Kevin Feige and his team at Marvel, so make whatever movie you want. I will throw you my dollars to see it. You've been proven to back up your movie decisions with quality movies that get people into the theater, so kudos. Okay, also, the first trailer for Mary Queen of Scots came out, starring Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie, and I'm gonna see it. I'm a big fan of British history period dramas. If it's got something to do with the Regency era, Victorian England, Elizabethan England, I'm here for it. I It's a guilty pleasure of mine, but not really a guilty pleasure because I own up to it. But this trailer, it looks like I'm going to get some good performances out of it, but I feel like they're retconning history a little bit or taking creative freedoms with the with the narrative of Elizabeth and Mary's exchanges in history because they've ever they've never actually met. So the trailer shows a scene of them together that didn't happen, but if the story's good, I'll suspend my disbelief just a tad, but the history buff side of me is going to be like this never happened. Why are you doing this? But hey, it's Oscar bait. We'll see what happens with it. But on the flip side of Oscars, Emmy nominations came out. Wah, 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 wah. Sorry, I don't really have a cool sound effect noise for that. But Emmy nominations came out. And there was so much good stuff out of there. And particularly some of my favorite things got nominations. Um, talk about Game of Thrones with all of their nominations after... Of year, well, one, we haven't seen a new Game of Thrones since last year, but they're now eligible for any stuff again. To get them back in the mix is amazing. Man, I'm such a big fan of Game of Thrones, and the more publicity I see around them, and especially leading into their final season, it's only gonna, the hype is only gonna intensify from here. I will try and make a point to talk about Game of Thrones as much as possible, let's be real. So I'm really excited about the nominations. All of the Lannister children got nominations. All of them. Cersei, Jaime, and Tyrion. It doesn't surprise me because they had some awesome episodes this past year. Especially, there's the scene in the finale between, spoilers, I mean, sorry, between Cersei and Tyrion when uh, they see each other for the first time in years. And... They talk about their father, they talk about children dying, and just their complicated relationship, and I just remember sitting there watching it and being like, this is an Emmy nomination, and I just see it, and lo and behold, they got Emmy nominations. Perfect. And then also another surprise Emmy nom goes to Diana Rigg, who plays Elena Tyrell for the most epic death scene where again spoilers Jamie's army surrounds her and he gives her poison that she has to drink and he's like this is the noblest way I can like let you die you can't leave this room and so she 
Happily takes the drink and she starts to recount the story of how she was a part of killing Joffrey. And her final words are, tell Cersei, it was me. Genius! Oh, like that performance, she was so incredible. And of course, you know, the iconic line giving advice to Daenerys telling her to be a dragon. She totally deserves her nomination. I'm super excited. Um, looking at this list, another huge nomination was, of course, uh, for Stranger Things Season 2. Um, Millie Bobby Brown and David Harbour racked up nominations for that. And to be perfectly honest, besides the stuff between Dustin and Steve uh, in Season 2, the strongest scenes for me of two characters interacting were between uh, Eleven and Hopper. They're back and forth fighting while the added responsibility of being like a surrogate parent to her and hiding the fact that her mom was still alive, like all this back and forth stuff, but they truly cared about each other and will fight to the death like for each other. And you see that play out and I'm, I'm very happy about their nomination. But one thing that I feel like is a snub is the fact that Noah Schnapp, a.k.a. Will Byers, did not receive a nomination, which is insane to me because he had so much he was working with. So much of his scenes were very, it was physical, it was emotional. He was playing so much on his face, especially in the penultimate episode when uh, he is trying to send messages in Morse code to um, his family as they are telling him stories of like moments that mattered in like how he's impacted their life and you can see him like trying to he wants to show that emotion but it's so restrained and then of course he's like tapping the chair you know to like get his message out and to fight the mind slayer I thought that was so incredible and unfortunately so underrated because he deserved a nomination in my personal opinion. And looking at some of the other nominations uh, in comedy series, I think Atlanta is still the favorite to win. However, my money is for uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel. My gosh, how amazing of a first season that was. It was just electric like you couldn't help but be drawn in and it was so it's a period piece it's hilarious and there's a lot of dramatic stuff in it too with family dynamics and what does it look like to be separated from your husband in the 1950s and doing and then proceeding through life that way there's just a lot that's tackled in such a fun an enjoyable way so I Rachel Brosnahan for me I want to see her win comedy actress Alex Borstein as, as well as supporting uh, actress in that category but I I don't hide my love for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt so if that wins that's like the dark horse in all of this I would lose my mind but it won't and that's okay I have made peace with it I'll just look forward to the final season that is dropping in January of this upcoming year, which is sad in and of itself. It's going to be only four seasons long, and I feel like with comedy, we could have kept it going a bit longer, but at least they knew they have an end in mind for it, so I can't help but respect Tina Fey, 
Robert Carlock and the team for Kimmy Schmidt. So all power to you. Let's see. Is there anything else I want to say about the Emmys? I'm a big fan of award shows specifically like Emmys and the Oscars are and sometimes the Golden Globes. Those are the only award shows that really I get super geeked and excited about. Let's see. Is there anything else? Oh, this is us. This is us is amazing. This is us should win best dramatic series. It won't, but it needs to. Mandy Moore was snubbed of an Emmy nomination. So was Justin Hartley because they both did incredible work this past season. And it really sucks that they're getting snubbed in this way. It's not, ah, it just it cuts to the core for me. But Sterling K. Brown, Milo, you're amazing. Also, The Crown. I love Claire Foy. She deserves an Emmy before, because she is hanging up the crown once and for all after this season, which is insane to me. Oh my goodness. She, Vanessa Kirby, and Matt Smith, they did such incredible work. Why aren't we using makeup and costuming to age them? It just blows my mind, because uh, they are just like the heart and soul of that show, and for them... To be done after two seasons is crazy, but The Crown, again, I mentioned it earlier, I'm a fan of British period pieces, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of The Crown. But I think also they should give the Americans some kind of acknowledgement, recognition for its final season, which was apparently a really great show. I never watched it, but I didn't watch it. Carrie Russell's free, and now she's going to do, apparently do Star Wars Episode Nine, which I'm all for. I mentioned that last time. But, yeah, I'm glad she got her nomination, and Tatiana Maslany for Orphan Black, and my girl Letitia Wright got a nomination for Black Mirror, or the episode that she was in, which I'm so excited for her. I just want to see Letitia succeed at everything, basically. Yes, I'm really excited for her. I think the last thing I kind of want to just dive into and just have a, a Meredith rambling, if it were, to talk about Comic-Con. Why not? So this upcoming weekend is Comic-Con, which is basically Nerd Spring Break, which means thousands of geeks, nerds, press, stars, comic book writers, artists, everybody. Everybody is heading to San Diego for Wednesday through Sunday for this epic convention that all the biggest movie, television, news starts to drop out of this convention. And for a long time, it was kind of like, oh, you know, it's more about the comic books, but now it's become so much about the TV news that comes out for shows in the fall. It's a huge venue for studios to bring in uh, new trailers and uh, information about movies coming out. So big things to look out for. Warner Brothers has a huge Hall H presentation this upcoming Saturday, which is where the Aquaman trailer and the Shazam trailer will be shown for the first time which I'm not sure if Shazam will also be released to the public. I'm pretty sure Aquaman will be. 
but also expect Wonder Woman uh, 1984 news, maybe a sizzle reel from that. Maybe Matt Reeves shows up to talk about the Batman and hopefully either Ben Affleck or whoever they're getting to play Batman because we need a new Batman movie. And his pitch, apparently, for the movie is a very detective-heavy movie tapping into that side of the Cape Crusader that we have not seen really on the big screen. So I really want to get, I'm really excited about the Batman news if we're able to get anything out of it. Also a big thing, it would be amazing if they could bring out Henry Cavill and release Man of Steel 2 information because I think a bright spot of uh, Justice League was showing the lighter side of Superman because ever since he's been introduced in Man of Steel, he was very dark and broody and not a beacon of light that we've come to know him as since the comic books and even in the 70s Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. So it'd be really, it, it would be a missed opportunity if Warner Brothers uh, doesn't come out with some kind of information about doing something with Superman to get their holy trinity right before we move on to oh yeah we got to talk about that they're making a solo Joker movie outside of the DC film universe with Joaquin Phoenix and it will be a Joker origin movie and I have some thoughts on this as you can imagine I think this is 10 years too late for Joaquin Phoenix to do this. Not that I don't think he's qualified. I think Joaquin Phoenix is perfect casting for the Joker. I thought he would have been a better Joker than Jared Leto. So I feel like this is a too little too late situation. But more importantly, do we really need a Joker origin movie? I think one of the most exciting parts and the unpredictable parts about the Joker that makes him so magnetic is the lack of an origin story with him. We don't need to dive into his history because I just feel like once we uncover that, it's not as exciting as we like make it out to be, or it's less sinister, or it's more sinister, and there's just something there's just something about that that lets leave some mystery out in the world. We don't need this. But if they're serious about it, and Todd Phillips is writing it, apparently, or maybe directing I think he's writing it. I, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Because, again, the DC Cinematic Universe has kind of been in shambles from the beginning. They haven't really found their stride, and they've made some steps in the right direction with Wonder Woman. But I feel with these, like, one-offs and spin-offs and things that are outside of their film universe... They're forgetting to build up into their film universe. And so it just feels like on shaky grounds. But then again, I could change my mind about this after I see the Warner Brothers presentation or hear about it because I won't be at Comic-Con this year. If I hear a plan of what they're doing, maybe I'll be a lot more on board with it. Also, Warner Brothers in their big panel, as much as there will be a focus on DC, there might be some extra footage we may be getting out of it regarding the new Fantastic Beasts sequel, as well as Lego Movie 2, the second part, or even Godzilla King of Monsters. 
So there's, it could be a lot of fun things to come out of Warner Brothers panel if they do it right. And I think they will. That would be the big stuff to expect on the movie front because Marvel is not going to have any presence at uh, Comic-Con this year as far as a Hall H performance because, well, right now there's really not much for them to preview and show. Plus, I think they're trying to make a move kind of out of Comic-Con and more focus on D23. And by Marvel properties here, I mean uh, the Disney Marvel verse as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I still think we'll get some maybe Venom stuff or even Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which is super exciting. But as far as that stuff, that Marvel doesn't have much to show because obviously Ant-Man and Wasp is out in theaters and doing well. Then you have, we don't have anything until March for Captain Marvel, so they can kind of take a break right now. Uh, Let Warner Brothers, DC have its fun and then when it gets to the fall probably that September October range we're gonna get our first teaser trailer for Captain Marvel if that were my guess to it which I'm not a pro at this stuff but there's kind of a similar pattern that movie trailers kind of make in the circle of things so we won't see the first Avengers 4 teaser until I'd probably say at earliest December, but at uh, the very earliest, I'd say December, but there's a chance we wouldn't see anything until January, but that's okay. Apparently, time and space make the heart grow fonder, and but this is towards the end of phase three, and we are losing our collective minds after Ant-Man and the Wasp, so we need these trailers now. Give us Captain Marvel, give us Avengers 4. (laughs) That would be super fantastic, awesome sauce, but Marvel will take its sweet time because they know they already have our money and they will make new box office records. Good for you. Good for you, Kevin Feige. You are a businessman and a creative. Well, you know, I think that's going to be it for this episode. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Again, I'd love for you to tweet at me, at Meredith Loftus, with your thoughts. What are the things you're looking forward to Comic-Con? What are you thinking about Lando being in Episode 9? What do you want to see out of his return? And, of course, um, what do you think the Black Widow movie is going to be about? Let me know your thoughts. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Have a fantastic day. Bye, guys.